so much energy. You guys are epic. Hey, I just want to start today by saying the Holy Spirit is really in this place this morning. I called my dad this morning and he goes, how's my little preacher girl? How's everything going? He's out in Tulsa this weekend preaching at another church. And I said, dad, the craziest thing happened to me last night. I was practicing my sermon as I usually do on a weekend that I preach. And as I was speaking it, all of a sudden my mouth started heating up. And out of my mouth, instead of my sermon, came the tongues of the Holy Spirit. And I couldn't even speak the words of my sermon. I was speaking in the tongues of the Holy Spirit. My dad says, you got to tell the church that. Because pretty much God was telling me, shut up and pray. Because something amazing is going to happen in service today. And I'm excited for that to happen. You may be seated. Well, we are in this series called, I Will Build My Church. And one of the most important foundations of the church is the power of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk today about the greatest supernatural shift that has ever happened in the history of the world as we accompany the arrival of the Holy Spirit. We're just going to dive right into scripture today. It's found in Acts 2, 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, the disciples and all of the other followers. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, I want you to imagine all three of those things happen in this auditorium right now in this place. All of a sudden, you hear this deafening, blowing wind just shaking this building. And it's louder than an ACDC concert. I wouldn't know because I've never been. But it sounds like it'd be a very loud concert. It's louder than the worship this morning. It's just shaking this auditorium. Then all of a sudden, a giant fireball is floating in the middle of this auditorium. And it's blazing and it's hot. And you're thinking, what kind of drugs are they pumping through the air vents here this morning? But all of a sudden, it starts separating into these four to five little inch flames that are hovering over everybody's head. And you turn to the person next to me and you're like, dude, your hair's on fire. And they're like, dude, your hair's on fire. And the lady wearing too much hairspray this morning, her hair's completely engulfed in flames and we're looking for fire extinguishers. I mean, it's just utter chaos. Then you start realizing the words that are coming out of your mouth are not English. They're a language you've never studied before. And you turn to the person next to you and they're not speaking English. And you realize there's hundreds of different languages going on in this building right now. Can you imagine all that happening? It would be utter chaos. But you would say to yourself, boy, am I glad I did not skip out on church this morning. Now, some of you may not know that there was a greater purpose behind all of this madness that took place on the day of Pentecost. These three things were actually symbols that were very important that God made sure the followers knew because it accompanied the arrival of the third part of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. Now first, let's talk about this deafening wind, this violent blow of wind. This was to let every Christ follower know that a divine power is going to sweep over every believer 
in this place in a way that had never happened before. You know, during Jesus' three-year ministry, power was only available to Jesus. And what I mean by that is he was the one that fed the multitudes. He was the one who healed people. He was the one who raised people from the dead. He was the one who calmed the sea. And if you happened to be ordering your coffee just a block down the road, you missed the entire thing because power was only vested in Jesus at that time. But now, but now, a supernatural shift is happening. God sends this wind, this deafening, violent wind, and everyone in the room hears it. And he's indicating that thou, Holy Spirit, supernatural power is available to you anytime, any place, to anyone. Now, every common rank and file Christ follower has the same power that Jesus had one day. Now, this is a brand new thing. It hadn't happened before in human history, and it blew the minds of people back then. And might I add, it still blows the minds of people today. I still don't think the church understands that you, yes, you, the people in your seats today, have the power of the Holy Spirit at your beckoning call whenever you want. I hear people all the time say to me, you know, Aubrey, I had this really tough presentation at work and it really was tough and I felt so alone and I didn't know what to do. And I'm like, dude, you had the power of the Holy Spirit to call upon in your cubicle. And they're like, no, I don't. That's only for ministry. I can't be caught asking the Holy Spirit for help in my work. He doesn't care about that, does he? Yes, he does. Because on the day of Pentecost, he made his power available to you anywhere, any place, and to anyone through the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And then there's those of you who are raising young children. Maybe you have a 15-year-old girl, and she's confused, and she's mixed up in culture right now, and you're at a loss for words. You don't know what to do. You're like, I, I'm at a loss. I give up. But no, you have the power of the Holy Spirit to call upon. You have wisdom. You have guidance. He can lead you to a scripture that gives you insight on how to lead this young woman. Friends, the Holy Spirit, he really is available to you today. That deafening sound of that violent wind was an indication that he is available to you whenever you need him, whatever you're going through and anywhere you may be. Now, what about these tongues of fire? This is really cool. The text says that there's this giant fireball just floating in the middle of the room, and everybody's terrified. I'm glad they're terrified, because if they weren't, we'd have some concerning talks to have, like, where's your fire safety? Do you have any firemen around? Like, maybe there weren't in that day. I don't know. But they were terrified. And all of a sudden, this fireball splits, and it starts hovering over everybody's head. Now, I want you to listen to this, because this is very interesting. Every man and woman's head. It wasn't gender biased. Over every old and young head, it wasn't age biased. Over every wealthy and poor head, it wasn't economically biased. It was floating over everybody's head, which is indicating that every single person 
is a minister. You are being anointed in this moment to be a minister. Now here's the deal. This is a mind blower for people still to this day. For thousands of years, there was a sharp distinction between clergy and non-clergy. Priests and people who just attended church on the weekends. And for thousands of years, people thought that the clergy or the priests, they had the hotlines to God. That's what we thought. Now, they were the ones who did the holy stuff. They married and buried people. They absolved sins. They listened to the confessions. They did the public prayers. They did the public preaching. Everything holy was their job and their job only. And if you and I, average Christian followers, even touched that, severe consequences would happen because you don't even dare touch the work of a holy man until the arrival of the Holy Spirit on Pentecost. And there's this deafening wind that says, my power is available to you. And these flames hovering over everybody's head, not just the three rock stars of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, but everybody, every single head, indicating that every Christ follower is becoming a minister. And everybody in this room is on even standing ground with this anointing to carry out the purposes of God in our world. That today, the distinction between clergy and non-clergy is diminished today. So much so that Peter goes into the streets right after this and thousands of people are gathering around him because they have questions. They said, we've heard about this risen Christ. We've heard about the craziness in this upper room on the day of Pentecost. What is going on, Peter? And Peter looks around and he's like, uh, there's no licensed clergy around. Like, I, I don't know if I can speak on this. But then he goes, wait a second. On the day of Pentecost, I was anointed through the Holy Spirit to be a preacher. I'm just a commercial fisherman, but today I am preaching my first sermon. And because of that first sermon, 3,000 people heard the word of God, were cut to the core, and crossed the line to salvation because of this non-clergy fisherman type of man. You see, this huge shift, it turned the Christian world upside down. God took the box of what a minister looked like and he just absolutely smashed it. And I don't think the church has even come to full grips today with how significant this supernatural shift was and how God intended for ministry to be done by his followers. You know, I was reading the early account of the Acts 2 church and I got kind of emotional because it dawned on me that out of this supernatural shift, the church was quite literally birthed. And I want to read to you what happened after Pentecost. Acts 2, 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I want you to imagine me real quick that there's a community of people who just loved God 
so much. That there was a community of people who wholly devoted themselves to God's word and the apostles' teachings. I want you to imagine with me that there was a community that prayed bold prayers and signs and wonders came right after those prayers. Imagine with me that there was a community that loved each other so radically that they called each other brother and sister, where socio and economic walls came down, gender walls came down, racial walls came down. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, which simply means they took their masks off and stopped pretending like they were really great people and just got real with one another. And they were so filled with joy. There was such a love and concern for one another that they sold their possessions so that someone did not go with an ongoing need in the church. They said, I don't really need this. Let me sell this so my sister in Christ does not have an ongoing need. And the worship that flowed from this community was so rich and it was so full that people all the time were like, what is going on at that church? I've got to be a part of that church. And their number increased daily with people who were coming to the faith. I read that account of the Acts 2 church in Manna. I just almost had a heart attack because I thought to myself, why can't there be a community like that today in Phoenix? Why couldn't there be a community that loved one another radically? Why couldn't there be a community that gave to each other generously? Why couldn't there be a community that prayed bold prayers and saw miracles follow? Why couldn't there be a community who loved God with all of their heart and devoted themselves to the word of God? Why can't we have that here today? Has the Holy Spirit just lost its punch? Is God no longer on the throne? Has the gospel just lost its power to transform human lives? Right now, some of you are getting really amped up about this. You're like, yeah, Aubrey, I agree with you. This needs to happen. And some pastor needs to wake up, make this happen. And you're looking around at the college students. You're looking around at these pastors in the front row and you're thinking to yourself, hello, one of you is not listening to the Holy Spirit because there's something that's not happening that needs to happen. Well, let me share with you some Dream City Church history. Dream City Church this year is 99 years old. We are celebrating our 100 year anniversary next year. Which is very rare, I might add. Churches don't last that long. This is a huge milestone. But for the first 60 years of this church, we ran between 100 and 400 people. And the way this church worked was they hired a pastor and he did everything. He did the ministering, the praying, the visitation, the preaching, the counseling, everything. The church did nothing. And what they could do is once a year they would place him on stage and they would vote. Do we like him? Do we want a new pastor? How do we feel? If they felt he did a good job, they'd renew his contract and he'd get to stay another year to fulfill his pastorally duties. If they didn't, they had a Donald Trump moment and said, you're fired. And they would find a new pastor. I'm glad you guys laughed at it. The first, first crowd didn't laugh and I told them I'm not telling that joke. They were bad sports about that one. Thank you. I got my confidence back. They would fire him and just find a brand new pastor. Now I want to note, I want you to notice here 
that the crowd was the one who was being ministered to. You guys were the ones who were receiving at all times. Now the pastor was ministering to you. Now this is the mindset of 95% of churches still today, and it's a big issue for years and years and still even today. But in 1979, my grandfather Tommy Barnett arrives on the scene, and he casts, I know, he casts this red-hot vision. And he says this, there once was a supernatural community that came out of nowhere, and it changed the world. And there ought to be an Acts 2 kind of supernatural community in Phoenix that just shakes this city. Well, that small group of people said, yeah, pastor, we agree. That's why we hired you. So assemble your little dream team. We're going to watch and cheer you on from the audience. Who's the dream team, Pastor Tommy? And then Grandpa dropped a bomb on them. He said, Acts 2 supernatural churches are not built by pastoral types. They're built by people who have the heart to do it. Then he explained to them. Then he explained to them that because of that Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost, the distinction between clergy and non-clergy has been diminished. He challenged them. And the people of that church said, wait a second, I'm a marketplace person. I don't care about pastoral stuff, but I'm starting to realize that I thought I was off the hook, but maybe, in fact, I'm on the hook, just like Pastor Tommy is on the hook as well. There are so many important things that need to be done in this world in the name of Jesus Christ. There are so many important things that need to be done in your neighborhood, in your school, in your home, in your local church, in your workplace in the name of Christ. You can't go three blocks anymore without seeing something that needs to be done. Yet so many of you know the need, yet you take yourself off the hook because you just don't feel like a pastor, because you're just not licensed clergy. The point I'm trying to make is the majority of Christ followers have taken themselves off the hook because they're not licensed clergy. And the Holy Spirit came on the day of Pentecost and said to each of us, I am available to you. Even further, I've enabled you with spiritual gifts in your life. And there is no longer a distinction. You just have to be a fired up follower of Jesus Christ who says what they'll do, what the Holy Spirit tells them to do in their home, in their workplace, in their school, their church, wherever. We are all on the hook. Let's just get that clear. We are all called to do something. We are all qualified ministers. This is the supernatural shift. This is the priesthood that came into being on the day of Pentecost. And by the way, not only does God put us all on the hook, but he also instills in every single one of us spiritual gifts that help us do his ministry. Romans 12, 6 through 8 says, We have different gifts according to the grace given to us. If a man's gift is prophesying, let him use it in proportion to his faith. If it is serving, let him serve. If it is teaching, let him teach. If it is encouraging, let him encourage. If it is contributing to the needs of others, let him give generously. If it is leadership, let him govern diligently. If it is showing mercy, let him do it 
cheerfully. It's important to understand that God not only calls you to ministry, but he also gives you the gifts to fulfill that ministry call that he puts in your life. Now, what are spiritual gifts? I have a definition here for you. Spiritual gifts are the divine abilities that God entrusts to every Christian so that you will have a special capability to do some kind of ministry. Some of you have never been told that when you become a true follower of Jesus Christ that you have supernatural gifts being instilled inside of you. And you all at least have one. A lot of you have even more than one. I personally have three. My first one is leadership. My second one is teaching. And my third one is discernment. Now those are gifts that God has given to me. I didn't ask for them. I don't deserve them, but I am required to steward them. So if I've been given the gift of leadership, God's going to expect that I pick up the reins in some way and propel his kingdom forward for his glory. You know, when I was 18, I had my entire life planned out. I was going to go to fashion school in LA. I was going to go to FITM, the Fashion Institute of Design and Merchandising. I had everything planned out. I was working with a seamstress, learning to sew. I did the sketches. I was ready to go. Now, one day, my dad pulled me aside. He said, Aubrey, I have to say this. It is not, not my will that I push you into ministry. That's not something you can ever push on anybody. But it is my requirement to make you aware of the spiritual gifts that God has instilled inside of you. He says, I see in you, Aubrey, leadership. And I really believe that you are selling out for a lesser dream if you don't pursue what aligns with those gifts that God has given you. He has given you an anointing to love the local church and forward it for his kingdom. Would you just consider that, Aubrey? And now I look at L.A. and I'm like, thank God I considered that. I'm so glad I went into ministry because there's a thrill when you use God's gifts for his kingdom that I would have never received anywhere else. We have a lot of leaders in our church, and I, I don't mean this disrespectfully. Please hear me out when I say this. But we have a lot of leaders in our church with leadership gifts that use 99% of their gift to forward some business enterprise, but the church just gets the leftovers of your leadership gift. You don't lead people here. You don't lead initiatives here. You don't take up responsibilities around here. You basically say, I'm off the hook. I'm not a minister. I work in the marketplace. Now, am I saying you shouldn't work in the marketplace? Absolutely not. You should be a part of the marketplace. God has placed you there for a specific reason. But you should capture a certain amount of your leadership horsepower to propel the kingdom of God forward in a tangible way. And I promise you that when you do, the thrill of using God's gifts for his kingdom are so much better than anything else you could use them for. You've all been given gifts. Some have the gift of teaching, administration, hospitality. There's a bunch of lists right now on the screen. Look for yours. Helping, giving. By the way, it's not my responsibility to get you to discover your gift. That's your responsibility. You've got to do the research. You've got to read the scriptures. Ask people in your life what they see in you and discover what your gift is because you, just like I am, are going to stand before God someday and be required to give an account on how we stewarded these gifts that he gave to us. He's going to expect a response. 
And just so you know, God doesn't care about theological training diplomas. Because on Pentecost Day, a supernatural shift took place. All distinctions between follower and priest were diminished. And you have been enabled, qualified, and empowered by the Holy Spirit and the gifts that he provides to you. All you need is a willing heart. And God says, you'll do just fine. Look at our church leadership, Pastor Saeed Husseini. He was a businessman. He was an amazing businessman with no theological training. But God said, you'll do just fine. You have a willing heart. I'm going to use you to lead a prayer ministry at Dream City Church. Luke Meredith at our Short Creek Dream Center. He was a military guy. No theological training. But God says, I'm going to use you and your willing heart to transform an entire city for the glory of God. And if you look at the elders of Dream City Church who have an amazing, huge job, you look around the table, not one of them is licensed clergy. We've got a CEO, an architect, an engineer, an owner of a bank. But what we have are men and women with leadership gifts, with discernment gifts who just have a willing heart. And God says, you'll do just fine. Tell me what would happen if several thousand of us who called Dream City Church their spiritual family just got totally usable before God? What if we just opened our chest cavities and said, Lord, would you just fill me with your Holy Spirit? Would you just use me to be a minister for you in my community? What if every single one of us went into our neighborhoods, into our marketplaces, and our workplaces, and our, our schools, and our churches, and we just saw ourselves as that minister? You know, I went to Chick-fil-A once, and there was this lady. She kept staring at me. I was like, what does she want? Like, she, she keeps staring at me. I'm just trying to eat my... It's like, it's not flattering. I have a giant burger in my mouth, and I'm like, can I have some privacy? Well, she ran up to me, and she goes, Pastor Aubrey, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you go to Dream City Church. She goes, I need prayer right now. My daughter, she is, she's off the rails. I don't know what to do. Would you just pray that God brings her back? Would you just give me wisdom on how to handle this? And right there in our neighborhood Chick-fil-A, we were able to pray with one another, encourage one another, bring hope in one another. And it got me thinking, what about the tens of thousands of people that are known by you Dream City Churchers that don't have access to a neighborhood pastor? What happens to them? Do their needs just go unmet? Here's my question for you. Do you see yourself as their pastor? Would you step into that situation and say, let me embrace you. Let me pray for you. Let me provide wisdom. Let me provide a scripture. I am that minister. I have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. I have been given gifts from the Holy Spirit. I can be your minister here in our driveway, in our cubicle, in our neighborhood, Chick-fil-A. Do you see yourself as that? Well, you are that. You may not behave that way, but God made you on Pentecost Day an anointed and an ordained minister for the glory of Christ. He took away that distinction of who is and who is not because you are one of them. And I keep wondering what would Dream City Church be like in the next 10 years if all of us were filled with the Holy Spirit and just acted like ministers of Jesus Christ. We'd just rock this entire world. 
And speaking of rocking this world, maybe some of you are wondering, I get the significance of the wind, I get the significance of the fiery tongues, but what about speaking in all these different languages? What was all of that about? Well, this wasn't speaking in tongues, which is a very important part of the Christian experience. But the Bible says they were speaking in the languages of the people who were doing business in Jerusalem that day. Acts 2.11 says this, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Yeah. Now you're saying, Aubrey, what is all of this about? Very simply, the Holy Spirit is saying to that little downtown Jerusalem church, you're going global, gang. The message of Christ is not just for your little church, it's for the entire world. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. Matthew 28, 19, go into all the world and make disciples. Mark 11, 17, my house shall be a prayer for all the nations. God loves the world. It's for that reason that we have 300 dream centers all over the world to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's for that reason we have a Bible college and we're training young people to share the good news all over the world to faces we'll never see again, to people who can never give us anything in return. Aubrey, is it because we're under challenge in the city of Phoenix? Absolutely not. But it's because we understand that God loves the world and he wants the world to hear the good news of Christ. Now, some of you in here today, you don't know Jesus. And you're hearing this message and you're rocked to the core because you're saying, wait a second, you're telling me I have a purpose on this earth? You're telling me I'm more than just a speck of dust floating in the wind that is life? You're telling me that there's a God who loves me so much that he would entrust me with the name minister? I'm that important to him? Some of you have been told your entire life you're nothing. You're an accident. You've got no purpose here. Well, I'm here to tell you there's a God who's placed you on this earth for a purpose, for a time such as this, with gifts that will enable you to forward his kingdom. Gifts that were formed in your mother's womb before you were even born. And God sent his son Jesus down from heaven to die on a cross for your sins, to remove that burden of all of your wrongdoings, all of your sins, all of those evil thoughts, all of those things that nobody knows about. He took those things for you and he broke the chains of hell. He made a way for you and I to spend eternity in heaven with him someday. This is the God that we are talking about today. And today he wants to know you. So if you would just all bow your heads and close your eyes, I just feel the Holy Spirit working in this place. I don't have to do any more convincing. This is the greatest transaction deal ever in the history of time. I don't have to convince you anymore. If that's you and you want to know this kind of God, you want to be given a purpose beyond yourself, raise your hand. Come on, raise your hand if that's you. Thank you. Oh my goodness, so many hands all over this place. Thank you, thank you. Come on, is there anybody else? Right now is your chance. Thank you, thank you. Well, the Bible says if you say this prayer with a genuine and repentant heart, that in this moment, everything changes, that you now have a relationship with God for eternity, that you now have a purpose 
that exceeds yourself for all of eternity. So if you just say this prayer after me with a genuine and repentant heart, God is going to save you today. I want the whole church to say it with me. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for what you did on the cross. Lord, I'm a sinner, and I need you to save me even further. I want a relationship with you. I want a purpose from you. And I thank you that you are doing that now. I can't wait to spend my life with you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Now we're not done. I have something, I said that very quickly because I don't want you getting up and leaving. We are not done. I have a challenge for every single Christ follower in this place here today. I'm going to get serious right now. First of all, you are all ministers. So just accept that right now, whether you want to be or you don't. You are a minister in this place. You have been made adequate by the Holy Spirit. You have been given gifts by the Holy Spirit. You have God in your corner cheering you on. I think sometimes you look at the people here on stage and you're like, wow, they must be something really special. Absolutely not. I was just a girl who was meant to go to fashion school, but I accepted the call of God on my life. And look at me here today. The same power that's been used with me can be used with you today as well. You have that power. You are not off the hook, just like I'm not off the hook. You are going to be held accountable someday, just like I'm going to be held accountable someday. You have to be so seized by this fact that you've been made adequate. Some of you have been told your entire life you're not adequate. You are nothing. You're a failure in everything you do. No, the Holy Spirit says, I make you adequate. And you have to start seeing yourself as that minister today. Now I'm looking around the room and there's a lot of you I see here today who have placed yourself on the hook. You've been on the hook and you've been serving in your communities, you've been leading for people to Christ, but there's a lot of you in here today who have taken yourself off the hook for far too long. You attend here on weekends, you give in your tithe and that's it. You leave the rest for the ministers. Well, sorry, you're a minister. And today is your day to wake up take the reins and forward the kingdom of God like the rest of us. So if that's you today and you're saying, I'm waking up right now, stand to your feet. I'm, it's time for me to wake up. Come on, stand to your feet. Is it time to wake up? Do you just want to sit on the sidelines? Are you going to let those gifts go to waste? God has given you a ministry calling. Thank you. Look at almost everybody in this place here today. I'm so excited about this because this moment right here is showing the future of what Phoenix, Arizona is gonna look like 10 years from now. This is the beginning, this is the moment. And so right now, I am going to commission you as pastors. Today is your graduation ceremony from pastor school. And from this point forward, you're no longer gonna say, is there a pastor here for this? You're gonna say, I'm the pastor. I am adequate. I have the Holy Spirit. I am ready to serve. So go ahead and hold your hands out for this blessing. I'm gonna commission you as ministers. I now commission you as ministers of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Having full access to the Holy Spirit, 
and having been graciously entrusted with spiritual gifts. I declare you adequately equipped to fulfill the calling of God on your life as you move his kingdom forward. I commission you to speak the words of God and to be the hands and the feet of Christ to this generation. I exhort you to live in a manner that glorifies God, to love in a manner that draws people to him. I exhort you to overcome temptation, to endure hardship, and above all else, keep the faith. And as you do this, you will sense the smile of heaven. And someday you will hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for every hand that is lifted today. Lord, let this be the shift that the city of Phoenix needs. Lord, we have thousands of ministers right now ready to go out into their neighborhoods and do your work. Lord, Holy Spirit, be close to them. Give them wisdom. Awaken them to the gifts that you have put in their life, Lord. Would you just set a fire beneath every single one of us? Lord, use Dream City Church to be the channel that changes the state of Arizona and beyond. Would you just use us, Lord? We're opening our cavities. We're saying, Holy Spirit, fill us. Would you use us, Heavenly Father? We can't wait for all the miracles that are here to come in the soon future. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, don't leave this place and not do something now. Go out and sign a serving seat sheet at the hub. Find a way to serve. Start thinking. I've had people come up to me after the first service. I've got all these ideas, and I'm like, yes. That's what we need. Come on, dream big, Dream City Church. Make sure you're here on Wednesday for Truth Bombs. Man, we just go deeper into the Word on Wednesdays. You do not want to miss this amazing series. Who wants the final blessing? Final blessing, here we go. May the Lord bless you and may He keep you. May He make His face to shine upon you. May you know that if God is for you, then who could ever be against you? And if God is on your side, then whom shall you fear? May you be like a tree planted by streams of living waters whose leaf will not wither. And whatsoever you do, say it out loud. Amen and amen. Have a great weekend, Dream City.